All right, so this week we are going to talk through why do I have to go to church, but we're going to take a look at the Acts 2 example of the early church. Uh, we've got a lot of scripture that is in this chapter, and so uh, we're going to dive right in and hopefully leave us a good time, um, some time for uh, some good discussion at the end. So our main idea tonight, or our main question is, why do I have to go to church? And again, think through this as, as someone who is preparing to argue this point with someone who is asking this question. Why do I have to go to church? So just kind of remind yourself to stay in that thought process. But our main idea is, though we may not always feel like it, Christians go to church regularly to strengthen and to be strengthened by fellowship with other Christians, to hear God's Word preached, and to praise Him in response. Um, and so we're going we're gonna to dive right in here and talk about why we go to church. Uh, first off, we're going to talk about the day of the week that we go to church, Sunday, the first day of the week. Um, in the book it says, Jesus was raised from the dead on the first day of the week, which would have been a Sunday. And there are four accounts in each of the Gospels uh, that, that list this. Matthew 28.1 says, Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. I always think that's funny. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. Um, I just think that's, I, don't, I, always, I always get a kick out of that. But anyway, um, so they went to, to see the tomb. And we see again in Mark 16, 2. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. Luke 24, 1. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And then John 20, 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So we see that there's sufficient evidence in the Gospels that the resurrection happened on a Sunday. And so that is uh, why we gather on Sunday mornings uh, to, to worship the Lord. And as churches gather, they put God's love on display. As we see in Acts 2, 42 and 40, through 47, and we're going to break this up a little bit as we go along as well, but the, the main passage here, uh, and they devoted themselves to the apostles, teaching and, and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. I'd like us to take a moment and just kind of reflect on this passage for a second. Um, I'm curious as... To your thoughts, um, and and if you have some, I'd 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 love to hear your thoughts on this this chapter, um, as it describes the the early church. Um, what are some What are some things that stand out to you in in this in this passage? Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's like this collective, you know, fellowship and, and help for one another. Okay. They gave us examples of what we should be doing nowadays. Okay. As far as 
listening to the teaching, the fellowship, the prayer, all those things that you would do now. Mm -hmm. It's like they were the first ones. Right. So yeah, they, they gave a good example. I'm repeating so that you can hear it on the podcast. Um, so they gave us an example of uh, fellowship together, the teaching and prayer, and uh, doing those things together as a, uh, as a group, as a church, setting an example of what we should be today as a church. It's the apostles' teaching. It's not some hearsay. Okay. These were authorities on that to guard against false teachers. Okay. So it's the apostles' teaching, not hearsay, uh, the authorities on this. Um, and these, these are the guys that witnessed the resurrected Christ, right? These are the guys that were there, that saw him. Uh, and so, yeah, have first, firsthand counts, um, accounts of, um, of Jesus and the, and the teachings that he taught. So, good? Signs and wonders were done, too. Right. Which I guess is what, miracles? Yes, yes. So many signs and wonders were done. And awe came over upon every soul. Yes, and awe came over every soul. Um, I love, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And so as they're living out, as they're, they're fellowshipping with one another, as they're sitting under the teaching of the apostles, as they're um, praying together and, and worshiping and, and living out this, this church community, the Lord is continuing to add to their numbers day by day those who are being saved. So they are accomplishing their mission as a church to, to go and make disciples. The Lord is blessing them by adding more disciples in their midst, um, and, and the church is growing and thriving. Um, and so um, I, I, thought that, I thought this was a really neat um, vantage point um, to see how the early church functioned. Um, you know, and it's, it's certainly different today as, as culture has changed, as things have, um, you know, just changed over the years in, um, you know, in, in society and things like that. But I can't help but think that this would, this would have been a really interesting time to be alive, you know, in, in the life of the church, uh, in the, you know, just, just, you know, the church was just, they were serving one another. And so nobody, no, anybody who had a need had that need met because the church was together and they, they, they all kind of, you know, pitched in together. So I'm, I'm thinking, you know, if somebody was a, you know, needed a tent, you know, you have a tent maker in your midst, they'd say, oh yeah, I can make you a tent, no problem. You know, here you go. And that was it, you know, and then that person could say, okay, well, you know, I'm a butcher. So here's, here's some meat and, you know, and it just kind of a, um, a neat way of, of, of doing life together. And um, I just really think the, the, the closeness that this group must have had uh, must have just been amazing. So um, there are, in, in the book we, we look at, um, there are five reasons that God calls his people to gather every week. Um, the first one of those is that God's people gather to worship God. And so we look at Acts 2, uh, starting in verse 38. It said, And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we see this, you know, this, this call, right? And some, some respond as we see that the Lord is adding, number to, or adding to their numbers day by day, um, and they receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So there's, there's prayer that's going on, there's teaching that's going on, um, and, you know, as evidenced here. 
And then we also have the, the fellowship as well, taking of the Lord's Supper, which we see in verse 42, saying, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to breaking bread and the prayers. So there's, there's you know, prayer and teaching, and they're, they're devoted to this. Um, and then um, there's also the awe that, that's in place here as well, as we see in verse 43. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. So there's this, there's this sense of, you know, here's some, the components that are going on, but then also um, just this awe that's upon everybody at, at, at the Lord and um, everything that is, that is being done um, under the Holy Spirit. And so this is causes the people uh, to respond. You know, they praised Him with glad and sincere hearts. And it's evidenced in their, day, in their day-to-day living and day-by-day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So these elements make up the gathering of a healthy church. Um, so there's, we'll break this down a little bit. So they, we're talking about prayer. So they pray, okay, and in doing so, there's confession of sins. There's thanking God for what He has done. And then there's asking him to do more, right? So when we pray, let's think of it in, in our terms today. So when we pray, do we confess sin to the Lord? Yes, okay. Do we thank him for what he has done? Yes, okay. And then do we ask him to do more? Mm-hmm. Yes. And these are things that you know, we, are, we are commanded to do. We make our petitions known to the Lord. Um, and you know, he knows them before we even ask them, right? And so, but we do, we do ask as, as part of prayer. Um, they also praise God um, through singing and testimonies. So much like we do today, um, we sing, right? We, we, we gather on Sunday mornings. First thing we do is, hey, church, let's sing. Um, and so we sing. And then testimonies, um, people give testimonies when um, here when they're doing baptisms, they, they give their testimony, um, or when we're hearing uh, ministry reports from uh, partnerships or things like that, uh, mission trips, people are giving an account of what happened, what the Lord had done, what the Lord's done in their life, and we, we all praise together. We praise the Lord together. Um, there's also the celebration of the Lord's Supper, which remembers Jesus' sacrifice on, on our behalf. And so these are, these are, again, these are the elements that make up... Um, gatherings of a healthy church. Um, singing is also commanded in Scripture. So Ephesians 5, 19, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. So that's, that's why we sing. Um, singing serves as a prayer. So there are times where the words that we're singing or even how a song resonates with our hearts um, can be a, can be sung as a prayer to the Lord. Um, Singing serves as a sermon. So if we're singing truth about God, about Jesus, about the gospel, that can serve as a as a sermon, Um, especially if it's it's a a song that is straight scripture. Uh, That that can be easily be sung as a sermon. I mean and we're speaking to one another when we're singing, but also to those who are there that may not know Jesus, that may not have encountered the gospel, that may not um, have a saving faith in Jesus, while, while we're worshiping, we're, we're conveying that truth to them as well in the words that we're singing. 
And then singing serves as a personal testimony. So a lot of times a certain song can really strike a chord with our heart, pardon the pun, but it can really strike a, strike a nerve with us, right? And it resonates with us. And sometimes these songs drive us emotionally. They, they drive us to, um, you know, to be overwhelmed with joy. They, they, they can cause us to uh, finally let a wall break down that maybe you know, the Holy Spirit's been trying to break down in our life. And, you know, we can, we can finally let that, let that guard down and allow the Holy Spirit to work in our life. So these are, these are some things that singing does. Um, God takes delight when his people gather in faith to worship him for all he has done for them in Jesus. As we see in Psalm 149.4, and it says, For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with salvation. So singing is a very important part of our worship. Um, and it's a very important part of our, our gathering together as a church. Um, Yes. We happen to have a the pastor that's in charge of that right here. Yes. Which is a rare occasion. So you excel at that. How hard is that for you? Because if you tie the songs in with the sermon, with the testimonies, with all that comes together quite nicely. So I just want to thank you for that. Mm-hmm. It can't be easy. It's not, and that's why you know I have I have brothers that. Um, help me with that as well. So, um, you know, I, I meet with Pastor Ryan every week. We talk through the sermon. We talk through what's coming up, coming down the road to try and line things up. Um, we're also uh, talking with um, even further out ahead with, with the elders um, and planning those types of things and planning, you know, specific prayer focuses, planning, um, you know, the scriptures that go, in, go into the services and things like that. So, um, takes a village, but it's, it is, um, but it, I believe the, the Holy Spirit is the one that drives it through um, and just connects everything together. Because uh, there are some times where I, I look at a service and I go, hmm, I'm not sure how this is going to tie in, but somehow throughout the service, connections get made, and I'm going, oh, there's the connection, and then boom, we're, we're right back into it. And so, um, you know, it's really neat to see, you know, we, we, we make plans and then the Holy Spirit you know, just ties everything together, which is which is really neat to see. Um, yeah, yeah. So, um, so aside from from worshiping, the second point is God's people gather to receive God's word. Um, so again, that's that's also a very vital and important part to what we do as a church. So, um, Acts two forty two, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So we go to church. To hear the Bible read, as 1 Timothy 4.13 says, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and teaching. So we go to hear it read, right, which reminds us of, of what God has done. It, it teaches us and instructs us. And then we also attend to hear pastors explain what it means and how it applies to us. And we see that in Romans 12.4-8. For as in one body we have many members... And the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, 
the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So our gatherings reflect our need to hear from God. And so the way he does that is through special revelation, through, through his word. Okay? And so by, by listening to the, the preaching and teaching of the word, God is speaking to us through that um, to instruct us and to give us um, um, application to, to our lives um, as part of that. Thirdly, uh, God's people gather to love and serve each other. So John 13, 34 through 35, says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So a church is a loving community of people. We love each other and we love others. Um, so a relationship with Jesus transforms the way that we look at every aspect of life. When we gather as a church, we develop the types of relationships that make God's love visible. So we can do this. How do we do that here in, at Nansman River? So how do, we, um, how do we develop the types of relationships that make God's love visible? Small groups. Small groups? Okay. Equip, right? Especially this year, um, how, we, how we've organized it and um, broken it down into classes. So over the course of this time, um, the next year, you know, this group will grow together um, very closely as, as, as you all progress through the different classes and um, are challenged and challenge one another. Um, how else do we do this as a church? Do we develop the relationships that make God's love visible? Outreach. Okay, outreach. Um, I think our, our church is very uh, welcoming and loving. When we see new people coming through the doors, um, uh, you see that there's always people that surround that person and welcome them with love. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, see also, they get to see also the love that we have for our families, for one another, uh, the way we worship the way we uh, study the Bible and that's the type of kind of love that, that they see that they're like this is different you know sure different from what we see in the world sure so by the way uh, you know newcomers that come in are, are greeted and treated by by those that are in the church um, they they see the the love that we have for one another but they see the love that or experience the love that that we give as well um, and so uh, 1 John 4, uh, 9, uh, 9 through 12 says, in this, the, uh, sorry. in this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. So the Acts 2 church model um, or models servant-hearted love. So as they're serving one another, as they're um, providing for one another, as they're worshiping and fellowshipping and, and hearing the teaching, all of these things, it, it, it models a servant-hearted love that they had for each other. And we see this in Acts, 4, or Acts 2, 44 through 46. 
All who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all, as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. So there's, uh, at this point, that there's a little bit of an illustration um, that they, they, they take here. Um, and it, it's Ephesians 4, 28. It says, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So in the, the whole premise of this illustration uh, is that um, a thief who comes to Christ is transformed, right? And so if they, if they have... Um, they allow the Holy Spirit to work in their lives. They will no longer steal. They get a job. They go and they, they earn money. Um, and not only do they earn money for themselves, they earn money so that they are able to provide for others, um, to, to give with a generous heart. It, it's a total transformation, right? And so, um, and we see that time and again with, um, with folks who are, who are you know, um, strangers to the gospel that come into a saving faith with the Jesus and then their lives are transformed. Now, it doesn't mean that their lives are easy, right? Um, but it does mean that their lives are transformed. And sometimes that transformation is hard. Sometimes that transformation is, is rocky. Uh, sometimes there's ups and downs and, you know, slide backs and things like that. But if they're surrounded by a, a good group of people known as the church, thank you, um, known as the church, then the, that's, that's where that community comes in, comes in helps helps them... Uh, through that. And so as they're developing and being discipled and growing in their faith, they're learning more about themselves. They're learning more about how um, Christ you know, paid that price for them. And so they're, they're taking steps towards becoming more Christ-like, which is, which is what we are all working towards. Um, sinners transformed into servants who love others are characterized by the kind of love that Jesus showed us. So 1 John 3, 16 through 18 says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. So it's kind of um, this idea of don't just, just don't just say it, don't just talk the talk, walk the walk, you know, and um, live together, live it out, live out your faith, and um, you know, be a be a um, a blessing to others as the Lord has blessed us. Is there any any thoughts on that before we move on to point four? Okay. Um, God's people also gather to fight sin together. So we see this in Hebrews 3, 12 through 13. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading, to you, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. So how are some, how are some ways that the church might gather together uh, or gather to fight sin together? What are some ways we can do that? Maybe through some of our partnerships, that might be a way that we can we can tackle some of these issues. 
accountability partners. Okay, accountability um, partners. You know, check on each other a couple of times a week uh, for coffee or whatnot. We've got outside Bible study groups that um, you can attend. I mean, I attend one on Monday nights with a group of guys. It's just guys. And um, we discuss you know, what's going on in our lives as far as prayers and what we, how we can support each other mm-hmm. and do a lesson. Um, and there's also um, just within the church itself, you know, through small groups. Sure. Yeah. So through, through discipleship, right? Um, gathering together in, in small groups or in, in Bible study groups that meet outside of, outside of church or outside of small groups, um, having accountability partners. You know, those are all, all types of things that the church can do to gather together to help fight sin. Um, anybody have any other ideas, other, other ways that the church gathers to fight sin together? The crisis, the crisis pregnancy center. Okay. Sure. Sure. So things like the Crisis Pregnancy Center, where you know we're partnering or coming alongside people who are um, either either abortion-minded or have had abortions or who are considering that and and walking through them or walking with them through that to help them make the choice for life, um, but doing so in a loving way that comes around them, doesn't judge, um, but just provides love and support and care much like the way the church should, right? It should provide love and support and care. Um, and so we model that. Um, I think it's great that organizations like the CPC that are, that are founded on the gospel make that their mission as well, that they, they, they look to um, see the gospel change lives and, uh, and save lives, um, both of you know, the families and of the babies. And so um, that's important as well. And that, that does absolutely... Um, help fight against a, an evil in our world. Um, so, uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I just when I read this, the the way uh, the way I read it, um, and from from previous teachings uh, it, when I was in D.C., um, I feel this specifically looks like it's it's talking within the body of Christ, right? And mm-hmm. for some reason, I go immediately to, of course, the church, but I also think about those friends or family members who at some point they departed from the body of Christ, at some point they believed in Jesus, but then they got busy with lives and they really, their hearts became uh, hardened. And, uh, and I think there's, there's importance of guarding our hearts and be, being honest with one another. And really, when, when the opportunity comes to be open, and bring the sin to light, mm-hmm. and have other, others praying for you. Um, and then as you're building, and, and as you, 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 the body of Christ, that church is becoming really strong in the world, in the word, and in prayer, and, and all these things, they can also tackle and be strong out there with other uh, ministries, which we're doing. Right. Ministries that like a pregnancy center, mm-hmm. one so you can go equip, and then make continue making disciples that make disciples. Mm-hmm. You know, that whole chain reaction that occurs. Right. Yeah. It's kind of that idea of going after the, the sheep that wanders off, right? Yeah. You know, it's the church, the, mm-hmm. the 99 that are there go after the one that, that w- walked away. And um, 
you know, restores that, that brother or sister to, um, to the church. You know, that's, it's that, it's that idea, you know, of just kind of, um, continuing to, to protect one another, to keep people from being led astray. That's great. Um, the fifth, fifth point here is that God's people gather to build each other up until we see Jesus. So we see in Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, it says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So as Christians, God says that we are to consider one another, to look at one another, to think about one another, to study one another, all in an effort to stir each other up to love and good deeds. So as we're growing together and learning together, you know, as, as, as Jacob said, you can, you can, you know, call out issues and love, you know, to, to brothers and sisters that, that you, you, you are, have a relationship with and can say, hey, I see this sin in your life, you know, there's this sin going on in my life. We don't want the, the plank and the speck, you know, um, thing going here. But you know, as as love or in love, we are we are to stir one another up, to to be encouraging to one another, to help us, um, you know, continue to grow in in, um, in our faith and in practice, um, and to to grow up into love and in good deeds. So we're we're always, um, you know, discipling one another to grow and to continue on to the mission of the church. Um, and so, um, <clears throat> so God's people gather to build each other up until we see Jesus. And so that's our mission throughout, the, throughout our life, is to continue to build one another up, to continue to spread the gospel, to continue to work and to serve and to, um, to go out to make disciples that make disciples um, until the day we see Jesus. And so that, that could either be when Jesus calls us home, or Jesus comes down to earth and says, that's enough, come on home. Um, and so um, either one of those days, you know, is, is great. But we, we, we are to be, <coughs> excuse me, we are to be faithful in, in the work and to be um, building one another up in love and good deeds. So our memory verse for today is that last passage we just read which is, let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. So with that, we are going to take a break, um, about five to seven minutes, get some coffee, get some water, um, return a phone call, whatever you got to do. Um, we'll be back here, uh, see, back in here at seven, and we have some discussion we're going we're gonna to take part in together. So, all right. All right. Thank you.